Hello, I'm Leah Householder. I'm a leader on our technology and data science team at Cineos Health. One critical part of my job is our annual trends report. It gives me the unique opportunity to talk with hundreds of experts who work on the front lines of healthcare around the world and interrogate the latest data and technology to not only anticipate change, but to influence it, to know it, to be more prepared when it arrives. 2023 will be a year of renewal and reimagining. After the last few years, our senses are sharpened around what we need to learn. Let's learn together. Welcome to the Cineos Health Podcast 2023 Health Trends Edition. James, so excited to see you today. Thank you so much for joining us. There's probably going to be a little bit of fan energy here. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely know the Space of Song and your work. So I would love it if you would just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your work. And then we'll get into a ton of detailed questions about some trends and some changes that are happening in healthcare. Sounds good. Well, thank you for having me. James, Ian, and I have spinal muscular atrophy type 3. I'm a musician, an actor, and so I really use art to advocate for authentic representation of people Hmm. with disabilities in media. So that's a lot of what I do. It just kind of happened naturally. I went to law school actually to do this work. And then I found out just through being on stage and live music performances that I could do this effectively without a law degree. So here I am. And it's been really, really cool to be a part of this movement. There is definitely a trend going on where I'm starting to see a little bit more of disability representation. We're still very, very far away from where we need to be, but it is really, really cool to see the industry start to talk about it and see people with various disabilities jump into these roles, whether it's on camera, behind the camera, or leading their own companies or writing. So it's just really, really amazing to see this and be in this moment. So law school, that was Georgetown? Yep. Oh, amazing. Yeah, I I feel like I have so many friends who grew up thinking they wanted to be lawyers and then they thought there was something more important they could do. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) definitely. uh, I've seen that happen to a lot of my friends, too. All right. Well, wonderful, wonderful. (laughs) So jump ahead to 2021. How did you end up working with Genentech to create this truly one of a kind artistic collaboration, bringing so many people together? I have some particular questions about an individual trend, but I'd, I'd love to just hear a little bit about the background and what brought you here. Sure. So that was a huge, huge honor. Been one of the coolest projects I've been a part of in my life. How I was found was through social media. I started to do a lot of this advocacy through art. And so whenever I would do like an Instagram post about my music or if it was an acting project, I would just use various hashtags that would shine a light on my disability. And I would say, you know, SMA or I created one called Disabled Dudes Do It Best just because I thought that had a nice little ring to it. And so (laughs) just doing that, they found me and I've been performing music live and writing and recording for a really, really long time. So it was just really cool to be seen for that and step into that role. You helped me pick the right word. I think I might get it wrong. But did you say authenticity or activism through art? I said advocacy through art, but I do talk about the authenticity. That is what the goal is. So are you hearing that from a lot of your fellow artists? I am. I mean, what we're trying to overcome is a lot of times people that are non-disabled are put into disabled roles. And so that leads to a lot of misrepresentation and a lot of tropes and bad and offensive portrayals. So we're all talking about having a disabled person play a role where they're disabled or like, for instance, I've seen film projects that want music and they'll say, hey, the role in the movie is for someone disabled. So let's have the music come from a disabled artist, too. So we're really trying to bring the authenticity in that way so a disabled person can actually speak to the disabled experience in a real and true way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
So I want to dig into the trend. I want to dig into the details of healthcare. But first, I wanted to ask you, I read your background. I know you've played all over the country <laughs> from New York to L.A. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite place to play to really connect with an audience? Honestly, well, just on like a general level, I love to play actual music venues where the sound typically is better and people are there for like actual music and they come right. to see an artist. So I love that. But one of my favorite places to play is New York City. I've had lots of lots of great shows there and people who you don't know and don't know your music seem to just be more inclined to connect that way. So I think it kind of makes for a really magical and cool experience. So New York City. It does seem like a great place for discovery. Yes. Yeah. There are people out in the middle of the night, right. looking for something they've never heard before. Yes, mm-hmm. totally. I asked you to talk about what seemed like probably a really unlikely trend. I wanted to talk about age tech, which is great sitting across from someone half my age. Um, but <laughs> no. I think it's a really interesting trend because we are at this kind of rapid approach to a critical milestone in the era of allowing us to watch over ourselves as we get older independently. Diagnostics, digital tools, unique collaborations, all being created and adapted to address some of the greatest challenges of aging, including health, housing choice, safety, transportation, and social isolation. So here's why I thought I wanted to talk to you about it, because it's also really a ton about co-creation, which is kind of your specialty. Mm-hmm. And I was curious, what's made the growth of HTEC possible is that technology experts, for the first time, they were used to creating for people like them. Young people create for young people. Privileged people create for privileged people. But what happens when you start thinking about people who are unlike you? And that's very much, I think, the world that you live in. What do you think about that when you imagine a world in which people are creating technology intentionally for people living with disabilities? How does it look different than maybe the tools that exist today? And then I'm also curious just to talk about the tools that exist today. I think when you do that and actually involve the people who are going to benefit from the technology or use the technology, it's very purpose-driven and the intention is there. And I think when those things are at the forefront, then it's really, really effective because you're addressing real needs. It's not like this hypothetical thing or what you think someone might need. One of the examples that I think about with parallel to age tech is some of the tools that people with disabilities use and when they're actually brought into the conversation. For me, I often forget that I could sit down and do something and use something I sometimes forget my own needs. I'll use certain kind of assistive things and then I'll be like, oh, wait a minute, I forgot I need to do this. I can't do this and so I need this thing to help me out. And I sometimes forget about that. Well, if you're doing that without the disabled voice, think of, about how much you would miss the mark because you don't even have the lived disability experience, which I do, or you don't have the experience of a person that's aging. So I think it's really, really important to do that. Yeah. I think I told you yesterday when we were just getting to know each other a little bit that my dad is going through something physically difficult as well. And it's amazing how much everyday technology that I also use, whether it's my headphones that pick up the Bluetooth on my phone or voice recognition. It's amazing how many of those things have become assistive devices for him. What's your take on that? Basically making existing technology work for whatever challenge you have. I think that's really smart. And I think it creates less waste as well because, you know, it's already there. Using Alexa or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like there's an example of some of my friends with disabilities that can't flip a light switch. Like the Alexa will be controlling an automatic light switch until they use it for that. So they kind of repurpose things to suit their own needs as well. This kind of goes back to when you have a non-disabled person thinking about things that are already there and you said young people using this to like access your Spotify quickly or something. 
But then you have a disabled person who's like, no, I actually use this for something completely different and it can be used for something different in a really, really effective way. Right. And the creator is not thinking of that. And so I think the possibilities are endless with what you can do. And I think when there's that need, people get really, really creative, you know, especially when your needs are overlooked and you're like, oh, they forgot about me when they, you know, created this technology. And it's like, I think I can do something with this. And so I think that's really, really powerful. I love the idea of repurpose. So I was glad to talk to you in general, but also because this is my favorite trend and nobody else wanted to talk to me about it. Um, (laughs) But the reason it's my favorite trend is I was so fascinated to read that things like Alexa is a great example. Mm -hmm. Those tools were built to enable quick moving lifestyles. Mm -hmm. They were built to enable you to handle tasks more efficiently. But when you think about age tech, particularly, you've got a lot of people who are living independently. They're living alone. Mm -hmm. They have more unstructured time. Mm -hmm. Fast is not necessarily what they're looking for. Empathetic and connected are what they're looking for. So thinking about how you work with people to understand how they first repurpose and then later remodel Mm -hmm. technology to really be built for them, I think, is a fascinating world that we live in today. Yep. You were very nice to tell us about your diagnosis earlier and share that personal information. I really appreciate it. Of course. So living with type three, you're going to live a long life. Is there anything particular in the H tech world that you think would benefit people who are dealing with the same diagnosis that you're dealing with or benefit you personally that you would like to see our different technologists and developers be focused on? Definitely some of the mobility assistive tech. I mean, that's relevant to me now. In some ways, my disease, the way it progresses, I'm going to be doing things that an older population would do just because of aging. Some of those things are going to come into play for me. Some of the effects of aging are already coming into play for me with SMA. And so a lot of those things in terms of age tech are really, really relevant to my life now. And I think they will be more so, you know, one of the huge things for me is, and I think this is a goal for many disabled people, is independent living, you know, and I know that the elderly population also wants to be as independent as they can for as long as they can. And that's something that many of my disabled peers are, that's top of mind and one of our most urgent or greatest wants is to be able to live independently. Even folks who are in their 20s and stuff that need care and have limited mobility or whatever those things are, that's a huge thing for them. And so any sort of technology that enables that independence is really, really important. And I think there's definitely going to be huge overlap for age check to have a use for people with disabilities. That makes a lot of sense. All right. So what's next for you? What are we going to see next? Uh, I'm still, I'm doing more music stuff. Yeah. I'm always doing that and creating and releasing. I have a poem that's going to oh. be published. There is a book that'll be out later this year through University of Washington. That's through Rutledge Press. The book is called Hierarchies of Disability. So I wrote a poem about my experience with SMA and about this kind of authentic representation. So I'm looking forward to that. And then I'm always auditioning and doing whatever acting gigs or other sort of like entertainment gigs there are. So I'm going to be continuing down that path and kind of really, really, really digging in. But more music, more art, hopefully some more screen gigs coming up. I love it. I feel like the next time I'm walking into a hotel, I'm going to hit Netflix and I'm going to see you. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. I've auditioned for some of those things, didn't get them. So I'm knocking on the door. So, you know, if someone... uh, Wants to give me a shot, could, could happen. All right, recommend it, recommend <laughs> it. <laughs> so I have to say goodbye to these nice people. Thank you all so much for joining us on Insights Hub Live, the 2023 Health Trends Edition. 
Visit trends.health to find more resources and subscribe to the Cineos Health podcast for more conversations like this and watch for this guy everywhere. Thank you so much for being here today. Until next time.